Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Open on Sundays Word travels fast Wheels turn slow Yeah, working hard And living right Is the only life we know Friday night football is king Sweet tea goes good with anything And fireflies come out When the sun goes down Nobody eats till you say amen And everybody knows your mom and them You can see who loves who For miles around All right, welcome in, everybody. Ben, I asked you to play this today because Scotty McCreary, as you know, was one time my neighbor at the working man's beach, right? Oh, really? He was, yeah. Might have seen him in a store, too. But, I, I, you know, the, the hazard net down there says that he's moved on. He's, I guess, moved to a more illustrious beach, not the working man's beach, right? forgot where he came from come on scotty <laughs> well no no he is not because guess what so i'm doing uh the first half of the tv package for sinclair in the triangle market son Alder and i are doing the tv games on friday nights this year and i mean ben you know the amount of of, of meetings and preparation in advance that goes into every one of these shows it's it's backbreaking right it's a lot it's a lot well, imagine TV where you got to have meetings about every. I mean, we we have meetings. This is all TV. You always have some kind of call or meeting. You know what I mean? And especially if you're new to a crew and all that. Now, but anyway, so I, I'm I'm been on the go here the last couple of days, and I'm seeing uh, these little pieces of information come in. And guess what's going to happen, Ben? We're doing a game in Garner. This It's Garner and South Garner. South Garner, by the way, Pitt County Connection, coached by former Conley head coach, former Rose assistant, one-time uh, grad assistant Steve Logan at ECU, Daniel Finn. He's there now at South Garner. Well, guess who's doing a, a like a, a, a release party for a new album? Maybe even a little acoustic set, I was told today, at the Garner versus South Garner game. Garner's very own Toby Scotty Keith. McCreary. Oh, no, <laughs> darn, I blew it. He's an Okie. He's an Okie. Uh, Scotty McCreary. <laughs> Toby. That might be one of the funnier things you've ever said, Ben. That is one of the funnier things you've ever said. Um, no, it's Scotty McCreary. Uh, isn't that kind of cool that he's going to go and do like a little? For the big rivalry football game, going to do like a little album release party, a little acoustic set. He represents. Th- he represents the home state very well. I mean, you always see him at Hurricane he does. games. He loves. Yeah, he loves the state. I, I can appreciate that. He's a Pack fan, so I, you know, nobody's perfect. Well, I can't right? appreciate that now. I kind of wish Toby Keith was there now. <laughs> <laughs> at least he's not a UNC fan. But uh, yeah, I just I found that out this afternoon. I thought that's kind of cool because they're trying to something to do an interview with him and that kind of 
I mean, thankfully, I don't have to worry about any of that. I just have to worry about the game part and, and make sure all the sponsors are, are satisfied. But all the rest of it, I just, you know, that, it's a, just kind of neat window dressing. It means it's a big event. I think it's kind of cool. You should ask him about uh, the Bojangles song he did. I remember that. Bojangles Town. <laughs> remember that song? I do. I do, yeah. It was, uh, look, it was it's a cash grab. Just take the cash grab. All right, uh, Brian Mole coming up later. We got some uh, Mike Houston comments in our pirate report at 6 this evening. Uh, they'll be having the coordinators meet with the media. Our Philip the Ref Pilkington will be there. He'll be tweeting out on 943thegame.com uh, or at, at 943thegame on Twitter. Uh, anything you need to know from that. Uh, so check out uh, that also 943thegame.com a little later on this evening or tomorrow for uh, – uh, kind of a rundown of that. Uh, our social media will have it there for you, and we'll bring you what the coordinators say. Mike Houston will also talk uh, to the media today as well at 6 o'clock following uh, practice. Um, a couple things to uh, update you on. A news segment here at the start. And, Ben, I, I am going to get – I've been. I said it yesterday. You weren't in. I'm, I'm backing you guys up badly with uh, long, lengthy, Hinton, Henry Hinton-esque monologues. Um. So I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and get a break in as quick as possible here, at least by within the next 10 minutes. So stand by for that. Uh, but a, a couple of news stories to get to before we have that in the Houston huddle or excuse me, our pirate report coming up. Uh, the gambling, the status of sports gambling being legalized in North Carolina. Now, this is beyond the Cherokee uh, Indians casinos where they have the sports books there. And, I've, and you know, since my. My mountain chateau been got sold. I, I I don't have anywhere to go in the mountains now, because uh, that's a hike, that's a trip. You know, you could kind of go up there and you had a little place to stay, so you'd stay for a week. You know what I mean? And you might matriculate over to the to the uh, you know to the casino and, and you know just for fun, something to do on a hot summer's day. You might. I'll go play some penny slots or some blackjack or something like that, right? Uh, but I've not been since last March when they, or I haven't been in well over a year, but I've not been since last March where they opened the sports book. And I really, I, you know, at some point, I think we need to figure out a way to do a show up there or a couple shows because, I mean, it is a hike. Could you get, could you make that trip? You don't ever get to make any of these great trips we get to make. I'm trying to hit the blackjack table. Hit me. Can you? Are you old enough to do that? I think you are. Is it still over eighteen? Well, I see. Well, I wonder there if it's twenty-one. Like, right you might when have I to wait. Eighteen. Everything turned to over twenty-one almost immediately. Yeah. So yeah. They weren't ready for B baby. Uh, clearly not. Um, but anyway, sports gambling taking uh, a step, but time appears to be running out. I, some of this started to materialize beginning of the the week. I wanted to see what was going to happen midweek here so a bill to legalize gambling did inch forward today uh but there's still like a lot of of hurdles to clear and the timetable time may be an issue senate bill 688 has cleared a major hurdle already it passed the state senate last month now the house has referred the bill to four committees so now that's all up to the committee chairs uh, the bill would start in the House Commerce Committee, then head to Jude House Judiciary One, then to House Finance, 
and then to house rules. So if you followed that, Ben, is that too much? Are your eyes in the back of your head right now? Basically, I took social studies in school. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not. I'm not saying because uh, it's you know it's a little weedy, but within the house, it has to go. It got assigned today to go to all these different committees: commerce, judiciary, finance, rules. And these committees will decide when the bill actually goes to the House floor for a full chamber vote. And that could either happen quick as lightning, or it could be something that maybe gets put off to the short session or even next year. Um, the Commerce Committee chair is out of Lee County. He's a Republican, a guy named John Sauls. He expects his committee to hear the bill. The House is off until next week. So basically, they're off for the rest of the week. So it's going to be next week before anything happens on this. I, I was told today, because this passed in a bipartisan manner in the Senate, but there are, right now, there it's not like this is a Republican-fueled thing, because there's plenty of Republicans that don't want any of this in North Carolina, even though we have the education lottery going on and have had for 15 or 16 years. Um, and that's state supported gambling in a sense, but, um, we, we don't have a, a real good. And that was the thing in talking to people before this, it was, it was going to get out of the Senate, even though there were some lawmakers on both sides who were against it. But, um, the house was the great mystery. There are actually a lot of what would be considered really liberal Democrats who are, who are not for it. Although more moderate Democrats are from what I understand. And uh, the Republicans, it's kind of all over the board also. So, you know, there's there's the short session. There's some lawmakers that don't want to go on the record because they're up in an election year next year. Uh, there's a lot of politics. Imagine that being played in this thing. So, uh, and, and now that's, again, kind of what I heard today. And... There's also a word in the on the always anonymous text line, Ben, that it is uh -oh. dead this session. Oh yeah, the always anonymous text line, dead this session. And uh, let me, I'm just reading from the text here. I want to scan it before I read it. Basically, and this is the truth. It did take lo too long to get it to get it through, and so it's just really going to run out of time. Now, this doesn't mean that it's totally dead. We'll never see the light of it again. But all indications are that even though there was a glimmer of hope today, and this is what I was eventually getting to, that it was going to these committees, the, the, the timing is just not going to work out. There's other things that they're working on, and these committees could stonewall this thing. Uh, the person I talked with today um, didn't come out and say totally dead, but if you read between the lines, they said totally dead. It just it didn't look good, let's just say. So we'll see. I, you know, I, I think that's a bad thing because you've got, a, obviously, you can gamble in this state. You've got other states that are moving on this quickly. And at what point do you start to see North Carolinians flood that money to do this for other parts of the state? Now, there's as much as $8 million that'll go to the to revenue from this, taxable revenue, as, as much as 50 Somewhere It's somewhere in between there. Because you see that in, in various reports. And as I was saying, with it 
being a, a short session thing, that's an election year. You have lawmakers that don't want to go on the record of, of having to go for or against this thing. So with an election year coming in 22, this, this thing may not be happening. Uh, and, and who knows what form it would take in the future. And there's some other things. I just don't want to get overly weedy in the politics of it, but but at least you know while it did take a step, it looks like a long shot in uh, in all of that. Uh, we saw this after the show yesterday, uh, and this was uh, John Gilbert who kind of wrote a summation of what happened uh, at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium on uh, Saturday. Ben, did you get word? about the concession stands, particularly on the upper deck side of the stadium that were kind of understaffed and that concession lines were really long and all of that. Did, did you catch any wind of that? I, I caught wind of that Saturday. I did. I did. Yeah. Heard multiple well, complaints and just seeing it, you could see it in the stadium. It was, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, the other thing is John Gilbert wrote about this the Pirate Nation, and they had over 40,000 fans, 8,000 students. It was really a huge crowd. But the game day employment is they have 400 part-time employees for football game days. So you have the, you know, the athletic staff, and then you have employees that help with the concession side of things, and, and that's a good number of that is actually the, the number of 400 is actually for the concessions. So that doesn't even count the security and, I mean, you're talking hundreds and hundreds of people that are employed on game day. A third of the employees, around 122, did not show up Saturday to work in concessions. And so, obviously, that really created some issues trying to fully staff your concession situation. Uh, you know, whether we're calling it the labor shortage, whatever you want, I know that uh, ECU is working to try to either get some of those people back or people to replace them working with groups in the community to, to check their availability to maybe assist moving forward and try to have that fully staffed and up and running by the next game on the 25th against Charleston Southern. Uh, so this is what John Gilbert wrote in part. Please accept our apologies. We understand we are evaluating every level of our game day operation to make it a better experience. This has been a challenging 18 months. And we've worked diligently to navigate through uncharted waters. So, I, look, the labor shortage, at, and there's restaurants in town that will tell you they're going through labor shortages as well. Uh, there are grocery store chains that have shortened their hours, albeit they say temporarily because of a labor shortage. So that's where we are with that uh, right now. So that that's the reasoning for that about a third of the employees who were scheduled to work on Saturday for the concessions just didn't show up. And, and it's hard to pull that off, especially on a, on a day where you don't know they're showing up till the, till the day of, and that's not a situation where like at a restaurant, you could ask somebody to work an extra shift, pick up some extra hours. I mean, that's, that's kind of the event that game day is. So those are sort of the, uh, the, the two highlights today, news wise that stood out. Uh, we'll get our pirate report in next. Brian Maul a little later on. Brooks Kepka saying some interesting things in an interview. Ryder Cup is shaping up to be uh, one that will have a lot of fireworks. So uh, that'll be something we'll talk about here in a few minutes with him. When we come back, though, after this timeout, 
We will have uh, our Pirate Report for you today here on the Patrick Johnson Show. ECU and Marshall, it's game week. The Pirates will be playing in Huntington 6 o'clock on Saturday evening. Our coverage begins at 3 o'clock here on the flagship of the Pirates on Saturday afternoon, 94-3 the game. Back with uh, Coach Houston and some comments from him on the other side. Miss a moment. Remember, there will be a test. You can log on to the brand new 943thegame.com for the podcast of the PJ Show. Plus, what's going on with sports in Pitt County and around the globe. And the latest on the ECU Pirates. Log on today. The brand new 943thegame.com. You are dismissed. Tweet at us <gasps> at 943thegame. Oh, a friend. At P Man on Air. It's not like a cult, is it? Sound off and tell us what's on your mind. 943thegame and P Man on Air on Twitter. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 943thegame and 943thegame.com. So, Ben, just to tie up a bow here on the Always Anonymous text line. Tim Moore, the speaker, apparently has, oh, well, there's a the firm he represents that um, has a casino that would benefit from this. And there's also, I guess, those that are ultra conservative on the right who are kind of making uh, things tough for lawmakers who want to vote this through in the House. So we'll, we'll see. I Again, it went to committee today, but it... A lot of times things will go to committee to die and never be heard from again. So um, that's kind of where all that uh, is. I just wanted to put a bow on that. I, I was getting the, as I said, text from the always anonymous text line, but I didn't want to, uh, <laughs> I didn't want to try to read it without on the air without reading through it first, if that makes any sense. All right, uh, Ben, you ready for today's pirate report? Let's go ahead. Now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Well, today it is brought to you by Flatland's Jessup Insurance Group. When you're ready to talk about insurance protection, call Flatland Jessup's, uh, Flatland's Jessup Insurance. Also, Acre Station, local grown pork, beef, fresh and smoked sausage, Acre Station Meat Farm, Highway 32 in Pinetown, and by Doug Henry Buick and GMC in Farmville and Doug Henry Ford in Aiden. If you paid more, if you didn't get yours, or I should say you paid more if you didn't get yours at Doug Henry. So those are uh, our sponsors today for this edition of the Pirate Report. Uh, Ben, uh, let's go with cut eight here. This is Mike Houston talking about the uh, play of the Pirate defensive line, which I thought was just uh, excellent on Saturday. Well, I mean, I think it's they're going to continue to grow. They're going to continue to improve. They're going to continue to gain confidence. You know, the more they play and the more they have success. And you know, I thought uh, I thought Xavier McIver. That's that's probably his most extensive playing time. I thought he played really well right there in the middle. I mean, that's. I mean, you got 650 pounds or so leaning on you all day long. I mean, that's that's not easy. So I thought he held his own in there. I thought Surad really did some good things. Uh, on Saturday, I mean, I think you know he's a guy that probably needs to play a little bit more. I thought D'Angelo McKinney, uh, you know, did some really good things at times. So, um, you know, all those guys are going to continue to improve the more they get to play. All right, let's uh, skip ahead to cut twelve here, and this is uh, Mike Houston talking about uh, the offensive players' performance against South Carolina. I thought they played much better than we did uh, the week earlier. Um, you know, we were able to run the ball pretty effectively at times. Um, I thought we did a better job protecting Holton. Now, now there, we, we, we gave up some pressure now, but, I mean, you're playing against a first-round draft pick at one end. 
the two kids at the other end, you know, the one young one was the highest rated uh, defensive end in the country coming out of high school. And then the other kid is, you know, going to be a draft pick. So, you, I mean, you're playing against really good players. So we did give up, a, a, you know, some pressure. But I thought overall we did a much better job up front this week than we did a week ago. Uh, down to cut 16 here uh, as uh, Coach stick with the uh, offensive side of the ball here. Coach Houston talked about uh, kind of shuffling through guys along the offensive line against South Carolina in an effort to keep them fresh. People. Uh, it's what really got us the first year is, you know, you play against those big offensive linemen. They lean on you all game. If you don't you know, rotate a bunch of guys in there, your, your kids are worn out in yeah. the second half. And so, you know, us being able to play a lot of guys really, you know, allows us to be fresher in the second half. Mike Houston uh, comments from him on today's Pirate Report. Uh, let's get some of Coach's thoughts uh, on the Tyler Sneed trick play to open the game. Cut 19 here, gang. Let me know when we're ready, and uh, we'll play that one uh, for you here. But uh, Sneed with uh, an excellent pass uh, to Hatfield, uh, who ran away. Uh, we'll we'll ex- explore that whole play and back-to-back cuts, but let's start with the first one here. This is cut 19 on the Vast Soundbite roster. Tyler Sneed and the trick play. No doubt. You know, he was... He was really bothered by his performance against App State in the opener. And uh, I talked to him, uh, you know, that Friday after the game and and just, uh, you know, I just told him, I said, I, said, I know what, what caliber player you are. I said, I know how you'll respond. And he certainly did. You know, he, he had a great game all around uh, on Saturday. And, and certainly, you know, I trust him a lot. That first play, you're kind of – you're kind of letting it fly a little bit. It's going to be a big play for somebody, but uh, we felt like, you know, he would. Uh, he does a good job executing that, and we felt like we'd be able to get Josiah behind the defense, which Josiah did a great job selling the, uh, you know, the run there on the on the stutter and go. Uh, and I, I, at first, I thought uh, Tyler had over overthrown him. Yeah, because he let it he let it fly. And then Hatfield, uh, just a great performance, but also his speed. He ran away from the. Very good South Carolina uh, defenders. Cut 20. Josiah's got great speed, and he caught uh, you know caught up to the ball, made a great catch. He and really that's, did. That's the thing. I mean, that, those corners, I was very impressed with the corners from South Carolina. They were much better than what I anticipated and uh, had great great closing speed, but uh, Josiah was able to pull away from them. So, uh, you know, a huge play to get the day started, started off uh, on a positive note, and certainly having uh, – 40,000 plus in the stadium. I mean, it was electric, you know, right out of the gate. And so what a, what a great way to start the game. We talked about uh, with this sound uh, roster of cuts from Coach Houston about the Pirate uh, defensive line. Let's uh, get back to that side of the ball because that was the thing that really kept ECU in the game all day on Saturday was how well Blake Harrell's defense played. This is Coach Houston, uh, Cup 13 here, gang, on improving linebacking uh, play and the performance of that unit? They're getting better. Uh, I mean, I think that's that's one of those things that they've got a uh, – it's been a big emphasis for us in the offseason. It's one of the hardest things for young backs to learn, uh, especially when you're going against, you know, the size of linebackers that, that you went against uh, this past Saturday. So, uh, you know, but that's – you know, that, that, that caused a couple of plays right there. I think he was talking about the uh, actual running backs there rather than the linebackers. Nonetheless, uh, sticking with the theme of the defense, quite, uh, cut 14 here, Coach Houston talking about, uh, again, the effort from the Pirate defense on Saturday. I really liked our physicality up front. You know, we knew we were going to have a, a, a stiff test against that big offensive line and those backs. 
Um, but I thought we did a great job. We knew we held uh, held South Carolina to like 2.3 yards per carry on the day, and uh, and I really liked the way we pursued. Uh, just you know the the effort to the ball. We had you know we forced three turnovers. Almost had a fourth on that last drive. You know we punched the ball out and uh, just couldn't get it from the bottom of the bottom of the pile right there. So um, you know I just thought, I thought of you know very very solid effort. Uh, you know on the day just not not quite good enough to get the win. All right, uh, let's go ahead and play cut fifteen here. Uh, the highlights uh, from the Pirates secondary and how that grouping performed on Saturday. Yard line to set up a score there in the second quarter. You know, I thought Jeremy Lewis had his best uh, best game. Uh, you know, so far he's only played two on the defensive side, but I thought he played very well. You know, I thought Xavier Smith. You know, he was playing a couple of different positions. Um, you know, certainly had a, a really solid game. You know, the safeties. You know, Jawan Powell forced a uh, forced a turnover there on what looked like was going to be a South Carolina touchdown. Warren Saba, you know, had a had a big pick there that uh, gave our offense really good field position. Um, Jeremy forced a fumble that DJ Ford returned to about the 16-yard line to set up a score there in the second quarter. Um, so I thought our safeties were very, very active. Uh, and speaking of Jeremy Lewis, uh, let's uh, get Coach Houston's thoughts, elaborate on that. Jeremy uh, had a great game on uh, Saturday, and, and it just seems to be in a real natural spot for him now. He was excellent on both sides of the ball at South Central, was a very athletic uh, pass catcher for the Falcons, but it, it, instinctively, the times I saw him in high school, I thought his his instincts were that of a defensive player. That's where I thought he really shined through. So uh, Coach Houston and cut 17 on the uh, play of Jeremy Lewis. Yeah, I mean, he forced two turnovers. Yeah. Uh, had one uh, quarterback hurry. Uh, you know, it, we, we, we do like a, you know, kind of a, a – a uh, kind of an evaluation thing. It's uh, an efficiency thing, and, and he he was one of the higher ones on the day as far as his efficiency rating on production per play. So uh, you know you know continuing to come along, and you know he was battling some physical things uh, last week. You know coming out of the App State game, so you know for him to you know push through and play at a high level because uh, we didn't know how much he was going to be able to play, and so for him to play 40 snaps at a high level like that's pretty 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 impressive. So you had a couple of local kids banged up uh, last week. Uh, C.J. Johnson limited in practice with a, a, an abdominal issue, but played in the game is full go now. Coach told us that yesterday in our Houston huddle. Uh, also, uh, Lewis a little nicked up out of the app game, but uh, was able to play, uh, you know, 40 snaps, as Coach just uh, mentioned there, and, and by all accounts will be ready to go. Uh, as coach told us yesterday that everybody kind of got out of the, uh, the Saturday game uh, in pretty good shape. All right. Uh, final cut here for this uh, pirate report on this uh, Wednesday. This is uh, coach Houston uh, really giving the flowers, if you will, in a way to, to uh, Blake Harrell, the defensive coordinator, a big improvement on the pirate defense in my estimation from re- week one uh, to, uh, to the second game. Here's what uh, coach Houston thought of that defensive improvement. No, I mean we're 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 pretty far advanced. You know, I think that you know, I know, you know, a lot of these kids are still only second year players. Um, but, you know, that's their second year in the same system. And uh so I think we're continuing to improve. Uh I think we'll continue to improve with with the experience. But uh, you know, we've got the bulk of our package in. You know, he can between last fall, spring and this fall, they've seen everything at least once. 
you know, so when you put something back in, you know, it's not foreign to them. They understand the basic concepts and all that stuff. So, uh, those are uh, Coach Houston's uh, comments uh, about uh, the Pirate defense, which uh, is going to have to have a big game on uh, Saturday as well, especially going on the road. Offense has got to get it together, but if you're going to win that game, you've got to have a, a very similar defensive effort and uh, certainly uh, what Marshall has at quarterback and at the receiver spot and the running back spot is a lot more advanced, particularly at the quarterback spot than what uh, South Carolina has. South Carolina probably has more depth and talent in their receiving core and in their uh, running back room, if you will. But uh, Marshall's got some good runners. Uh, they're designed, brought in offensive line linemen to run the football in that program. But uh, their quarterback is a lot, I think, uh, more uh, sophisticated in his development and his uh, abilities than what South Carolina was trotting out there on Saturday. So uh, it's going to be a real stern test. There's no coaches playing quarterback is what you're saying this week. <laughs> There's a guy who's actually a college football player playing quarterback. All right. Uh, Ben's standing by. He's got an update. And then we'll go to Brian Mull in our next segment. I want to uh, switch to golf. Obviously, uh, the, the PGA regular season gets started this week, and guys are going really make some hay. This time of year, I mean, this is where Harold Varner traditionally has really uh, played well and, and made some money and gotten himself uh, in line to to be in a position to, to continue to hang on to his card over the years. And uh, look, this big event this week, a lot of money on the line this week. I know John Rahm, uh, I believe, is playing in it. We'll confirm that with Maul, but uh, we'll, we'll get into all of that. Uh, plus, Brooks Kepka with some interesting comments about the upcoming Ryder Cup. So all of that with Brian Maul still to come. Uh, right now, here is Ben with uh, an update on everything going on around Pirate Nation and beyond. Benjamin? Thanks, Patrick. We start from Pirate Football as they gear up and travel to a familiar foe up in Huntington, West Virginia in, the, in Marshall. Pirate safety Warren Sabu had a big pick in the South Carolina game, spoke to the media yesterday. He talked about trying to steer this program in the right direction. Uh, I mean, it's important to us to, to get this program changed. I mean, we've been doing everything right. You know, we didn't complete, complete flip from when I got here. It's been a 180 with Coach Houston. So, I mean, We've been doing the right things. We've been putting in the work. We've been changing a lot of stuff. It's, it's time to, you know, get results from it. Elsewhere in college football, Tennessee has a quarterback problem as head coach Josh Heifel has come out and said that they're unsure who will be the starter for their game this weekend against Tennessee Tech. From the NFL, the Carolina Panthers have activated right guard John Miller from the COVID list. And he will practice today. Giants running back Saquon Barkley is listed as questionable for tomorrow night's game against the Washington football team. The Raiders will be without starting defensive tackle Gerald McCoy for the rest of the year due to a knee injury. The Jets are expecting receivers Jameson Crowder and Keelan Cole to return this Sunday for their home opener against New England, and the Browns have ruled out Odell Beckham Jr. against the Texans this Sunday. Wrapping up from the NBA, the Grizzlies have waived former All-Star center Marcus Saul after acquiring his rights from the Lakers. Aaron Gordon and the Denver Nuggets have agreed to a four-year extension worth $92 million. And John Wall and the Rockets have agreed to part ways. Houston is currently evaluating trade offers for the five-time All-Star. That's going to do it for your 94 Through the Game Sports Update. I'm Ben Byron. And... Pirates. Oh, there. Panthers. Good, baby. Very good. The P-Man. Uh, but it's pants. This is Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates.
Pirates, Panthers, the P-Man. Oh, my. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game right now. People like to listen to the podcast when they're in the car. Uh, check ours out. We got Terrence Copper's War Room podcast for you. Uh, usually Tuesdays or Wednesdays. On Thursdays, on the prowl. Ben Byram, Philip Hilkington, Casey talking uh, pirate, uh, rather Panther football. Our Houston huddle comes up on uh, Tuesdays. Little road trip in music. Brian Mall out on the road here today. Brian Mall, how's it going? Just cruising along, Patrick. Everything's beautiful. <laughs> you in the open road. <laughs> lovely day. Lovely day. Brian Mall, the Caddy Network. So we got an event this week to start the season, right? We're right back at it. I hope. Uh, I hope nobody missed golf because it's back. There's a famous line, and it applies to pro wrestling. How can you miss me if I won't go away? Do you think this season is too long and they don't have enough of the quote-unquote offseason, or is there just so much money out there to be made that, you know, that that's not reality? I think we have the deepest pool of talent we've ever had in professional golf. I think that we'll see that in the, in the coming weeks with the guys who graduated from the Corn Ferry Tour who will make an impact immediately on the PGA Tour. Some already have, Will Zalatoris. And um, I think as long as uh, Monahan and his crowd down there in Ponte Vedra can round up sponsors, they should play tournaments. And uh, the beautiful thing is PGA Tour players are independent contractors. They can play as they see fit. Yeah. No, it's a good point. And look, for just the ECU tie-in here, HV3 is uh... – Scored a lot of points and banked a lot of dough this time of year historically. Not not so much this year, I don't think, although we'll see. But this is the time of year where he's made a lot of hay traditionally. It is a great opportunity to, to jumpstart your season. And let's face it, uh, you know, just like you wouldn't want to play Alabama every weekend in football, you don't want to play against uh, <laughs> the Dustin Johnsons and uh, John Roms, although he is there this week, and Jordan Spieth. And you know, it, it's nice to play on a little bit, uh, a little bit weaker field. There's no such thing as a weak field, but certainly not as many superstars there this week in California. Hey, why is uh, Rom playing this week with uh, with everything going on next week? a great question i was a little surprised uh especially if he's in contention which would you know you would expect him to be and, and uh you know he's in the hunt late sunday you just wonder if there'll be some effects from that i'm assuming it's because his wife likes wine <laughs> okay <laughs> well that was... i do not i cannot confirm that but right. that would be my assumption gotcha uh brian mole with his caddy network um, I, I, instead of, I, you know, everybody's really talking about the Ryder Cup, right? So sure. let, let's let's delve into some of that. And then Brooks Kepka today. A um, couple of things. He thinks he'll catch Tiger at 15 majors. And I think that's, if, if Brooks Kepka is saying anything else but that, uh, shame on him. And if, uh, 
but but it seems like that golf uh, media is really hand wringing over some other comments he made about kind of wanting to lay out and do his own thing during the Ryder Cup. Yeah, uh, what he's saying is no different than what other players have said in the past, maybe privately. Uh, Tiger Woods did not, very much a creature of habit, very much a person who wanted to do his own thing, did not enjoy one bit all of the outside op- obligations, the gala, <laughs> the, 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 the various, uh, uh, you know, requirements. Um Look, golf's an individual sport. These guys get they, they find a, a system, a pattern, habits, rituals that work for them, a routine, and they want to follow that to perform at their best. And I totally understand that. And uh, this is this week is different, both in format and uh, in what's required of them. And they're all expected to be uh, at the peak of their game, and, and no one can push a button and, and say they're going to peak on any given week. But, but, uh, but so, Brian, aren't, aren't these old guys by nature all individualized, like uh, Kepka says in in the interview? I mean, isn't that kind of isn't that sort of uh, the way they're programmed? One hundred percent, absolutely. I mean, that's the way they have to be. They have to. There's a lot of different ways to be successful in golf, and they each have to figure out what works best for them. And you know, for for. Bryce DeChambeau is hitting golf balls until dark every night when he's at a golf tournament. That doesn't work for everyone. Um, you know, it's, you can't you can't put everyone in the same box. Everybody has their own swing. Everybody has their own personality, their own mental approach. And I, I certainly understand where Brooks is coming from. And I also wonder what what value does the Ryder Cup have for for the modern PGA Tour superstar. Yeah, but the Europeans, despite look, Seve was as on the course. God rest his soul, uh, on the course as competitive a uh, individuals you'd ever find, and it didn't matter if it's somebody he was friendly with or not. He he wanted to to uh, cut their gonads off if that meant he would win. Um, I mean, Sergio, not exactly a guy that pals around, but he is he's been able to meld uh, very nicely into this team format. The Europeans have no problem doing it. It's definitely a different mentality, and I think they, they approach it. They're typically the underdog, even sometimes on their own soil, and they embrace the team aspect of it. And, and, and quite frankly, given the choice between going on a golf trip like you would with your buddies between two sides, I probably would prefer to go with the Europeans. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. It, it just seems like that that's been the criticism of the Americans in recent Ryder Cups is they've gone way too individualistic. It's it's just a bunch of individuals kind of out there playing for themselves. And the Europeans, despite various personalities, uh, seem to always kind of rally around one another. I think the U.S. more so has just played as if the weight of the world is on its shoulders, as if they have nothing to gain because they're expected to win. And I think that manifests itself on the greens. Uh, Look, when you're playing golf and you're feeling pressure, it's going to show on the greens, if anywhere else. And the the Europeans, like Sergio's historically not a good putter by any measure on the PGA Tour. I don't know that he's ever ranked inside the top 50. 
certainly rarely inside the top 100. Yet when this Ryder Cup comes around, he finds a way uh, to putt typically the best we've ever seen. If he had putted like that through his career, he'd have won six or seven majors. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, it's just uh, Poulter had some great comments this week about how, you know, he grew up playing soccer and, and was on a team and, and, you know, certainly then transitioned to golf in his teens and, and you kind of lose that. And, and he looks forward to this as much as any event. And I think that's a sentiment that a lot of the Europeans shared. I think once they get onto the first tee and it's competitive, competitive environment, you know, look, these are the most competitive people that you'll ever meet. And I think certainly the juices flow and they, Americans, Europeans, they all want to win badly. But I just think the camaraderie certainly is not forced. Uh, you know, over here, a lot of our players are, are uh, you know, they just kind of their own little corporation. They do their own thing. I don't know how much time they spend together away from the course uh, in certain instances. And uh, we have an interesting mix of personalities without Patrick Reed being on. Right, I was going to say, and, and Patrick Reed's not even here. Uh, the great Brian Mole <laughs> at BG Mole on Twitter, covering golf, covering college hoops, everything else. Uh, and uh, you could follow him there, Caddy Network uh, as well. Uh, you know, back, by the way, the Euros have won seven of the last nine of these. Um, Kepka says, I mean, this is, again, I read this to you. You can hear it in his voice. It's tough. There are many, uh, there are times where I'm like, I won my match. I did my job. What do you want from me? Okay. He's got a point, right? Absolutely. The most that any player could possibly win next week is five points if he were to play in all four team matches and win his singles match. That's it. Well, it takes 14 and a half to win the cup. So at the very best scenario, you could contribute a third of those points, but then that's unlikely. It's rare that anyone wins more than four points. So I get where he's coming from. You know, it's kind of like the Mike Trout must have felt all these years playing for the angels. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, we've seen it, we've seen it throughout. Um, so we'll talk a little more about the matchups and the players and the personalities next week, uh, with Brian, uh, try to get him lined up and get him on, uh, the talk Ryder cup. But, uh, just, you know, a lot is, there's really nothing else going on. Yeah. The season's starting up, but golf media is going to be honed in and focused in on this. So every little thing, uh, that these guys, particularly American guys say like a Kepka or whoever is going to get really put under the microscope you mentioned uh, <clears throat> uh well, i do want to say one more yeah, thing I, yeah. I do feel like the americans on paper and, and just uh anecdotally you know have some potential juggernaut pairings that they can ride because that's what the europeans have always had you know going back to, to faldo and wisdom and ballesteris and olathabal and, and on and on and on through the years They've had two guys that they everybody knew they were going to play and probably play all four sessions, at least three of the sessions. And I think we have a couple of potential teams with Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, of course, childhood friends, well-documented, and then Xander Schauffele and Patrick Cantley, uh, two Californians who have paired together in the Zurich and done quite well and are, were hanging out together uh, last week, saw some photos uh, with, their, with their girlfriends' wives. And... Um, so I think you're, you're looking at four top ten players in the world right there, two teams that, that should be valuable point-earning members that um, 
yeah, well, it could make for some fascinating matchups. All right, really quick, uh, the Kepka the Kepka DeChambeau dynamic. Uh, obviously, this is this is quite a uh, it's a quite a story uh, here. You know, uh, without even I mean, Kepka's made waves without even that dynamic coming into play per se. I, I love Steve Stricker. He's, he's a class act. I was fortunate to spend quite a bit of time around him during my caddying days and uh, admire him for coming back. I would love to see him pair them together. Really? It won't happen. Oh, it won't happen, but I would love to see it. Okay. Yeah. Okay, here you go, guys. Work it out. 18 holes. Figure it out. A lot of deals. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of deals are made. A lot of fences are mended over eighteen holes of golf in in the real world, right? You you don't have to like your partner. Yeah, that's the biggest misnomer about golf. Like I've I've known teams of golf, you know, an amateur golf or whatever, where they have success, where really all they're trying to do is beat each other the whole time, and that leads to fantastic play because they want to be the guy of the two that makes the most birdies at the end of the day to have the bragging rights. And uh, they're that competitive. They want to beat their own partner and the other team. And I think both those guys are wired that way. I, I, why wouldn't you put them together? They, neither one of them has a natural partner uh, otherwise. Yeah, that's true. All right, Brian Mull, Caddy Network, safe travels. We'll catch up with you uh, next week, preview the Ryder Cup. Okay, sounds great. Thanks, Patrick. Absolutely. There he goes. Uh, check him out, at BG Mull on Twitter, Brian Mull, Caddy Network. All right, a break, come back, and we will. I'll wrap things up for you here, uh, including a little bit of uh, perhaps our next celebrity pay-per-view. I want to get Ben's take on this when we return. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. I can't wait. On your flagship home of Pirate Football, 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. Fastest two hours in radio. Fastest two hours in radio. The award-winning Bushlight Pirate Game Day Countdown. With Patrick Johnson and ECU legend Terrence Copper. Counting down to kick off with all the info you need to get ready for game day. The Bushlight Pirate Game Day Countdown. Pirate Game Day Countdown. On 94.3 The Game and 943thegame.com. And now. The stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Come on, man. And with the local One thing that uh, we forgot to mention yesterday, uh, Rose and their game, which was scheduled to open conference playing the Big East against Jacksonville on Saturday or Friday, uh, has been postponed to the 28th of November because or of uh, September, 28th of September because of uh, COVID issues within the Cardinals program. So, no Rose football uh, this week, just as an FYI. Uh, Ben, uh, Conor McGregor and Machine Gun Kelly got into a fight on the red carpet at the VMAs on Sunday. Oh, Lord. Is this the next pay-per-view, celebrity pay-per-view fight? No. Okay. Quick no. Yeah, I, I don't okay. see that. I don't see that happening. Uh, the only way I see McGregor getting back to boxing is if there's going to be a big payday, and I think the kind of celebrity boxing gimmick is starting to kind of wind down. It's kind of run its course. Um, I don't think there's there's big money to be had there if there's the right characters involved. And of course, Conor McGregor is always going to draw big money. But do you really right. want to pay to watch him fight MGK? I mean, I know he's got I'm a punchable face, Mich- but. Well, I was going to say, I, well, he's got more than a punchable face. Yeah. But I, I'm looking at Machine Gun Kelly right now. 
I'd I'd pay to watch somebody beat up beat him up. Yeah, I I, I might be down with that. Yeah, I you know I don't know if it's gonna happen. I don't even know how I get sanctioned. <laughs> it's I don't know. It's just yeah, you know, drama access Hollywood type drama. It seems like you'd have to pass. You'd have to pass a uh, drug test, and I, I don't want to cast dispersions, but that might be an issue for somebody involved in this. I'm not sure who that would be, but I'll let you draw your own conclusion. All right. Uh, thanks to uh, Brian Mole for taking a few minutes with us here today. Uh, I know we're going to have uh, Nate Connor on a little later on in the week to talk some Conley uh, football. We're trying to uh, work out a couple of other guests. Uh, Keith Morehouse, one of these next couple of days, will be with us. He's uh, the uh, sportscaster whose dad was the voice of Marshall who was killed on that flight. So this will be the, uh, the 50th anniversary of the uh, team that uh, Marshall put on the field following the aviation disaster in 1970 after they left the game at ECU. Uh, thanks to Ben. Thanks to Courtney as well. And uh, we'll catch you tomorrow at 5 o'clock on the Patrick Johnson Show. We'll hear from the Pirate Coordinators tomorrow ahead of this Marshall matchup.